You're listening to the Woman of Value podcast. You are about to hear the story of a woman who is following her dreams and passions and creating positive change in the world. In the last chapter, which is just a few words, is do you want to live life with one purpose? Or do you simply want to live life purposefully? Yeah. And so it's a different, it's a different mm. approach. Yeah. Totally different. Cass Thomas is a successful business entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, and an empowerment business coach. The depth of her career experiences inspires people to explore more choices and find the changes they're looking for. It is her mission in life to strengthen the unity of choice and change. She's a best-selling author, and she is debuting her book, Dancing with Riches, a self-empowerment manual, to encourage readers to change tracks if the journey they're on is not working for them. This book has been published before. It's being republished in English now. And within the pages of this book, readers will find a guide to transform negative into positive and to come through a winner, even in the most limiting situations. Welcome to the show, Cass. Hello, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and, and thank you for the invitation. It's so fun to talk to you. We've just been having the greatest conversation before we started, so I'm looking forward to this, this interview. And um, you're in Rome, so just to let people know that Cass is six hours away from me, six hours in time zones. <laughs> so this is nighttime for her and daytime for me. What does a woman of value mean to you, Cass? It means acknowledging that you are a woman because all women are, are of value. Without women, we wouldn't have a continuity of presence on this planet. <laughs> mm. So if we're talking about the world, all women, the mere existence of women is a value. Yeah. And it's important that we acknowledge that. It's not that men are not of value. That women, um, we're such multitaskers. We're so, you know, multi-talented. And, um, and there's such a grace and an elegance uh, in women, even if they're truck drivers. You know what I mean? What yeah, is value to you? So you're asking me to answer the question I asked you. Okay, <laughs> I can handle that. <laughs> I always tell clients, if you're going to ask a question, you better be prepared to answer it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. A woman of value to me is somebody who has really acknowledged her own value. I think we do have inherent value, but we don't always see it. And one of the reasons I got into women's empowerment work was because I saw so many women diminishing their value and playing small. And I did it myself most of my life. You know, I, I underserved, I underperformed. I was afraid to really explore the full extent of my value or my talent, because what if I failed? And what if I was judged? And so I didn't speak in public. I didn't even speak in class for many years because I was afraid that I'd be judged. And when we can get rid of all of those limiting thoughts and beliefs, we have incredible power and we can make such an impact on other people. And so it's a gift to give to people the value that we have. And it's actually a disservice to keep it to ourselves. That's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny because in, in that uh, new book, Dancing with Riches, I, I mentioned how my cousin uh, had said to me, you know, Cass, if people um, don't 
agree with you. You actually present it in different ways because you figure they just didn't understand you. You know what I mean? So that, um, that diminishment, that judgment, uh, for some reason, I never thought that that was the case. I just thought that, oh, they didn't get me. Let, let me explain it in a different way. Let me, let me <laughs> So it was very interesting when he actually said that to me. It was like, wow. So if I had taken into consideration that they were actually, you know, trying to diminish me or judging me, maybe I would not have, you know, continued my journey in life in the way I have. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I think that we, um, we often don't have the tools to communicate things in a different way. I know for me, I tried that for a lot of my years, you know, tried to explain to people my position, but it often came across as defensive. And then people would shut down. And it would make me so upset because I was just trying to be seen and heard. And so discovering communication skills and learning how to center myself and really get curious about somebody else was a big key. Learning how to set boundaries, learning what my values were. All of those things are so crucial to owning your own words and your thoughts and not letting somebody else determine your worth. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny because I, I feel like, I felt like I had spent the first years of my life, right? The first, you know, 25, 30 years of my life really trying to help other people, really trying to adjust and help other people and, and really almost bombarding them to try and get them happy, you know, because I, when I see people, I, I don't see um, who they're um, being. I see who they truly are, you know? So even if you're sad, if you're cranky, if you're whatever, I'm like, I used to be very bombarding them and I, and I have different tools now because it doesn't have to be that exhausting. Um, but the, um, the reality is uh, that if we're willing to really shine our magic, you know, acknowledge our magic and let it shine out, then that light will actually shine on others. And if they see you, I always say, if someone says, oh, you're fabulous, oh, you're this, you're that. I'm like, if you can see it, that means you can be it. Mm. Otherwise you wouldn't see it, you know? So, um, so when I said, okay, I'm gonna start dedicating my life to me, everybody started saying to me, oh, you're so generous. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm, I'm, I'm working on me. I'm, I'm dedicating my life to me now. I spent all those years dedicating my life to others and they didn't even get that. So really, really you know what I mean? So really, and, and so, um, yeah. So really, if we're, just like you said, if we're willing to acknowledge our greatness, right? Our magic, our brilliance, our shine, our value, right? Then that's actually a contribution to others because they say, wow, she's different and she's fine with being different. So maybe I can be fine with being mm -hmm. different too, you know? And yeah. we just may not even look at it that way, but it's true. It, that's the way it is. <laughs> I totally am with you. And I think, you know, it, it made me think about when you said people thought you were so generous when you were taking care of yourself. It's often the case when you listen well that somebody thinks you had a great conversation with them, but you barely spoke because you allowed them to speak and you allow them to be heard and seen. And that's what we all want. And so when we take care of ourselves, it's actually 
it's honoring ourselves and it's giving people permission to do the same. I think as a parent, I, I was not brought up with that model at all. And I, I, you know, it's like you're supposed to martyr yourself and, and give everything to your children and be a total dish rag. And that is a terrible model for your children. It's a terrible model for anyone around you. Like, what are, what are we really saying? That we're not worthy? And then you should be, though. <laughs> like, how? <laughs> Absolutely. And in, in what is the example you're being? Yeah. You know, with that, because it, when then they, if you're that way with your children, when then they have uh, families, is that, and and if we think we have to be that, is it um, is it functioning from this position of superiority? You know what I mean? That we know what would be best for someone else. So what would be best for someone else is if we reduce ourselves? No, because it's their choice, you know? You yeah. can give people recognize people, compliment people. How many times have people complimented you, told you about your uh, amazing communication skills? And it's not until you acknowledged it, right? That you started then working with it. And um, when you said that, that just that silence um, thing, uh, communication, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're both, you know, considered experts in communication, right? So when, a lot of times, and I'm just a question for you too, how many times do people think that communication is about what you are transmitting to somebody? But communication is not a one-way street, you know? It's, a, it's minimum a two-way street, and it can be a, a, a roundabout. What do we call that in the States? They call it <laughs> rotary, uh, rotary. Traffic rotary, right. <laughs> exactly, okay, yeah. But, um, that being willing to um, listen to someone and to hear what they're saying from their perspective too, you know? Yeah. And that's what I tell people a lot of times what we hear and what we consider as judgment may simply be the way people communicate. Mm -hmm. No, I remember once my husband was like, no, you should do this with your business. You got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. And he was like, whoa, 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 what's the matter? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to do it. He said, you've got a successful business. You're the one that chooses. This is just the way I'm giving my input. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so how much do we, in, in, you know, interpret as judgment and criticism which is actually just the way somebody communicates yeah and right it's, it's so true i mean i i'm in the process of rebuilding this this quiz that i created about communication archetypes for my other website and i so I've identified four communication archetypes to represent the aggressive and passive aggressive the the assertive and the passive, and I call them the puppy is the, uh, is the passive, the koala is the passive aggressive, the scorpion is the aggressor, and the, the lioness is the assertive. And no matter what your style comes out to be, you're still communicating with other people. And so there's a series of emails that are being put up in this campaign now where it's like, okay, great, you're, you're an assertive person, but you're working with people who are aggressive. 
you're working with people who are passive aggressive. How do you deal with those people? Like you said, it's not just us. And we can have family members or children or, you know, just friends. How do we deal with people who have different styles, who, who are not us because nobody is us? <laughs> exactly. That's what I always say. Nobody does you better than you. So right. then don't like someone else because their job's already taken. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. I was just talking about this on my Seven Steps Explosion workshop today, that there's some window or doorway or sometimes just a crack where people are sensitive. And if you're willing to approach them from that angle, you know, but seeing things from their perspective and approach them from that angle, you will find, um, let's say the softness in them. Because for me, you know, with these seven steps I was talking to you about, the, the third step is like lowering your barriers. And people who have up barriers, when you lower them, actually their barriers come down as well when you lower yours. And people who have up barriers and are aggressive, right? When you are willing to actually see them from a different perspective, they're sometimes the most sensitive people ever because something, you know, really good reasons and justifications for putting up those barriers for not being hurt. How many people have had their hearts broken, you know, and put up those barriers around their heart, you know? So if you're willing um, really to see things from their um, perspective and to approach them in a way that they're willing to receive you, your, your communication with them can be nothing but flawless, yeah. So yeah. true, and I, I'm noticing how you got very soft when you spoke about this. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just, it's so, I'm, I'm so delighted when, because it's, the invitation that that we are too, and I have to tell you about Sandy, the name. I didn't mention that to uh -oh. you. <laughs> you might be a sister from another mister. <laughs> um, yeah, just um, they. It's so lovely when people actually connect with their uniqueness you know, and that they're no longer feeling a lack of self-esteem or self-confidence when they really get that nobody does them better than they do themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Nobody can do you better than you. And so if somebody's not receiving you and doing what is judgment, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Not I'm sorry for the way I am. I'm sorry that it doesn't work for you. So what if, if your goal your target is to have a flow of communication with them. So just tell me, what is it? What is the way that it would work for you? Yeah. And sometimes people don't even know because they're, they're so used to, you know, going into conflict. I have a, a friend of mine, she took the, one of these classes and she was so uncomfortable relating to people with their barriers down because yeah. she you know, she organizes uh, music uh, festivals and, and drummers, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so she's used to working for them and they're very pushy and they want this. And so talking to people, like you said, with this softness was like, you know, she felt like she had fleas. <laughs> she started like itching. She was like, I'm not comfortable because I know how to deal with aggressive people, but how do I deal with kind people? Yeah, 
Yeah, and I definitely see that. And I've seen the opposite also. I I have a client who I've been working with for many years. Um, She's an interior designer and she had a business for 20 years that was successful, but it was filled with people who were difficult because they just fell in her net and she didn't have any way to be discerning, to really identify who she works best with, how she works, how she wants to work. So I helped her get a lot of clarity in her work, but I also really helped her with her communication because she was such a people pleaser that she did not stand up to people who were abusive. And there were people who were so harsh and some of them, now that she knows how to communicate better, some of them have apologized. Some of them have, have changed their ways, but there have been a few who were like marking up her contract and saying, no, your contract is wrong. And she's like, no, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> exactly. And that is a great, it's such a great way that uh, with access consciousness that I'm sorry, this doesn't work for me. I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that it doesn't work for me. So if you would like to find something that works for me, then we can discuss it. If you would not like to, that's fine. Okay. All right. So then the choice is there, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's really a different approach. Yeah. Because you're not calling somebody a name. You're not telling them they're bad or wrong. And that's where most people trip up. I think it's like, I have, I have a friend who's in a relationship and the guy, they were, she was traveling and then he met her where she was. So they were both on foreign ground and both uncomfortable. And he had just gotten off the plane, was exhausted. And she was trying to make him happy and accommodate him. And he got really triggered. And he said, you're too accommodating. You're, you know, and and it was like a, you're a this kind of thing. And no gratitude for anything she was doing. It was just like something in him got really triggered. Well, after many conversations, and he thought they they talked about it once, we were done. Like, (laughs) we're done. (laughs) It came out that this felt like she was trying to control the situation and it triggered something in him. And then it's like, we're learning about each other. We're learning about like, why did you get triggered? Why did I get triggered? Why did it take me three conversations to really feel seen and heard? You know, and it's, but it's that openness to have those conversations that matters. Absolutely. And, and, you know, going into reaction, right, is a a bit of a defensive uh, posture, you know, and sometimes you can say, hold it, time out. Can we start again? Yeah. You know, could you, can, can you go back outside the door and come back (laughs) and start again? Yeah. Having a do over. Yeah. And, and how does that work? Yeah. my name was Cass Sandra Thomas <laughs> when I was born. That was my original name on my birth certificate. Ah, interesting. <laughs> the Sandra is cool. So I was Sandra, S A U N D R A. Are you S A N? Were you S A N? I was S A N D R E R. Oh. Yeah. No, R A. You're right. Sandra. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. My <laughs> first marriage. It's in my first marriage when I was 24. I, I, I said, okay, I'll keep Thomas, Cass Thomas, and then I was Cass Thomas Freelon for about t- 10 or 12 years. And then when I um, got divorced and I was going to get married again, I said, I don't want to get married with my ex-husband's last name. 
So I had to really work hard to get my name back. And I was like, okay, just make it simple. Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> and believe it or not, in Italy, when you get married, you, your name, you don't change your name. Oh. You're always, all, you might go by, you know, your um, husband's name. Uh, and he might also take yours, go by yours sometime. But your name is always your your maiden name. So it's I, I so want, interesting. Um, yeah, to be guest. It's almost like it. doing business as. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so absolutely. interesting. Let's let's talk about the communication steps because I'm really curious about that, and then we can talk a little bit about your your pivotal moments in life and get a little into the book that's being being published right now. So um, can you share the seven steps? Because I would love to hear about them. Absolutely. It's a really small book, like I told you. Really simple, but not stupid. And, <laughs> um, and they're so short. Each step is like one and a half pages. And then there's some exercises and stuff in it. But the, um, the first phase is about connecting with you. You know what I mean? Connecting. And so phase, uh, step one is show me the magic. And it's about you. It's so easy. I can tell you all the fabulous things about you and we're just on now, right? But for to be able to acknowledge and recognize what is different, unique about you is not that easy for people. Mm -hmm. Other people can see it in you quite easily, you know? But for us to actually notice what's unique and what's different about us. In business, we say, your unique uh, selling point, right? Um, and so um, that's what it is. And the moment you begin to look at that, there's something where your your heart starts beating in a different way, or you're able to feel that heartbeat in a different way. You feel this movement inside of you. You know, it might be at your third chakra, your solar plexus. It might be in your heart. There's this warmth that comes over you. And there is a, a potency, you know, that is vulnerable, you know, and you're not, there's nobody that can deny you what you know about yourself. And a lot of times um, when we get that connection with ourselves, you know, step two is talk to your body, not at your body, but to your body and allow your body to let you know what works for you you know, what's not working for you when you are connected with you and when you're not. So that you can, uh, in any, like you were talking about your, your friends or your clients, you know, when you're going outside of yourself to accommodate someone, doesn't mean you cannot accommodate them if you stay present with yourself. So that is the basis of communication because it all starts with you. And a lot of times people think that that's um, egotistical or it's just concentrating on you, but it's such a gift for people when you're present. How often do you meet with people in there? If you could put a statue there, go out for a walk, come <laughs> back and then still be talking. <laughs> My father used to do that. He would call and just vomit out his life and complain a lot. And I wouldn't listen. My sister, who was much less boundaried at the time, she would put the phone down, do her work. And I'd say, you know, I, if that's working for you, great. But what are you teaching him? That it's okay for him to dump stuff on you and then walk away? Like, 
I don't know, like that just wouldn't work for me. So yeah, it's not being present at all. It's not tuned in. Yeah. And you know, when we are present, that show me the magic. You're actually, it's an invitation for people to see what's different about them. And when you connect to you, when you begin really um, connecting with yourself, you begin shining this sort of it's different, you know, when you said, oh, your voice got softer then, you know, when I was talking and it connects to something in you. And so it's an invitation for you to invite others to say, wow, I'm feeling different at the moment, you know? So the first step is show me the magic. And the second step is talk to your body, listen to your body, allow, don't be judgmental towards your body. Because we're here, I mean, we could be angels and, and light beings and all, you know, on, on Mars, but we're here, you know, and we've got bodies. And so a lot of times um, we really can 80% minimum of what shows up in your body starts with your mind. So if you are able um, to connect with your body and be present with your body, then the way that you communicate with people is beyond words. It's, you know, energy is the first language. And then you've got the uh, movement and the image and the vibration that you're being. And so, um, and the space that you're being and the presence that you're being. So talking with your body allows you to see what's in line with your vibration. And like you were saying um, with clients, maybe they want to change careers. Maybe they want to change relationships. Maybe they want to, you know, change something in their life. But what, do you, what choices do you make? You make the choices that actually will give you that joy of living, right? That you'd like to have in your future. So connecting with you is really the beginning of uh, any communication. And then once you've connected with you, the second phase is about disconnecting from who you are pretending to be or who you thought you were. You know, somebody with walls and barriers up that is keeping everyone out. The problem with that is that not only are you keeping other people out, you know, but you're keeping yourself locked in. So a lot of times we think, oh, they, I don't know why they don't like me. I don't know why they're not receiving me. I don't know why they're not communicating with me. Are you sure they're not communicating with you or are they not communicating with those walls and barriers that you put up, you know? So step three in that uh, disconnect phase is about lowering your barriers. And we play a lot with that, lowering your barriers. And, um, and step four is going beyond the veil, it's called. And it's so uh, interesting because sometimes we wear masks, which are like, hi, my name is Cass and I'm born in Boston. Yes, and I lived in New York for years and then once in Paris and now I live in Rome, you know? I'm a writer, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you, Sandy. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and that's fine, it's warm, but once you've connected with you, you're actually willing to go beyond that veil. And a veil is a little bit different because it's sort of like semi-present, it's a bit vague sometimes. And so um, recognizing a lot of times that, you know, maybe there's something missing in my life. And you might even recognize that that something is you. But if you've been being the perfect mom or the perfect wife or the perfect child or the perfect, you know, then you might not even know how to get to you, who you really are, you know? So once you've connected with you, going beyond the veil allows you to be seen. 
in a different way and to see you in a different way and also to see the world in a different way without the rose colored glasses, you know? And still, once you've done that um, step one and step two, you're willing to see the beauty in everything, you know, and in everyone, you know? And that doesn't mean you don't see what doesn't work for you, but you're able to see, there must be something magical about them too, because everyone's different. What's unique? I always say to people, if you meet the most boring person in the world, can you imagine how talented they must be? You know, with everything that's going on in life, everything that's going on around you, everything that's going on in your body, all those molecules inside the cells and the body, how could you possibly be boring? You gotta have talent. <laughs> You've got to have talent. So, you know, so yeah. So, um, and then uh, step um, six and seven are part of that reconnect phase. So once you've connected with you and disconnected from who you are not, you reconnect with people in a very different way. So step five is about engaging um, other people's universe, you know, seeing things like I was saying earlier from other people's perspective and seeing what is the way that you could approach the conversation that actually works for them and allows you to reach your goal in the communication with them, you know? So some, you know, they might like tennis, they might like, you know, football, they might, and you don't have to say, oh, I love tennis too. I know nothing about tennis. You know, you might say that, although I do, I like tennis. <laughs> anyway, but, <laughs> and, um, and when you're willing to do that, to approach, um, the conversation engage with, you know, all the uh, elements uh, in the whole world and universe, then that person feels comfortable, more comfortable with you. And you can see in your body, let you know when they get more comfortable and when they've actually opened up some communication with you. So anyway, I, I, the book is an introduction to this and I do workshops on it. And step six is about expanding your zone. A lot of times we're so focused on just what we want to talk, where I want to talk to Sandy and I want to talk to Sandy about this. And, you know, I never discover that, hey, we were living in New York at the same time. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we even were at the same cafe. How do we know? <laughs> All right, on the Upper West Side. I was living on the West Side too. Hmm, I was the, quite often at Lincoln Center, you know. So being willing to expand your zone and, um, access information about your past, about your present, and also about your future, and also explore different, um, different means of communication with people. And, uh, and also it's um, also about communicating with hairy and invisible friends, uh, animals, they're so amazing. You were talking about your program, your, um, you know, the, the scorpion and right, and the lioness. And uh, you talked about the lioness, I was thinking about, you know, going on this, in the United States, we call it safari, right? Mm -hmm. In South Africa, they call it bush ride. Yeah. But I've been several times to South Africa and I've been on maybe 10 bush rides and animals, Sandy. It is so amazing to watch them because it is actually the way we live our lives. It's just that they do it with such simplicity, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 you know, 
really the buffaloes and how they, you know, they just want to show you that they're the bosses. So you're in that truck and you just have to sit still and you have to honor them. And, and they're like, okay, fine. I don't have to push over your car. <laughs> and the lions, the lions, do you know this? The lions, if the lioness has an affair with another lion outside of their range, not only do they, and, and gets pregnant, not only do they kill the other lion and all the kids, and the, not the lioness though, and they just stand there, you know? And they're like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. It's so funny. And when they have um, children, you know, when they have baby lions, <clears throat> the lion is on in the field on his back, He's, you know, he, done all of his eating and everything, and he's got his legs up in the air, and the lioness is taking care of the, the, the little babies and, and, and feeding them and, and getting them food. It's just so funny to watch. And the bird, anyway, so <laughs> expanding your zone is about um, really uh, acknowledging and recognizing <clears throat> the various um, ways in which you can uh, approach communication with people and that reconnecting. And step seven is um, it's a, in its own phase, phase four, establishing true connection. And I call it um, connecting with the earth. So it's step one, show me the magic. Step two, um, talk to your body. Step three, lower your barriers. Step four, uh, go beyond the veil. Step five, engage with the universe. Step six, is expand your zone and step seven is connect with the earth. And what is that about? Well, if you recognize that you're home here, right, on planet earth, this is your home. Doesn't matter what country you live in, doesn't matter what city you live in, this whole, this planet is your home. And if you feel at home here, you never feel out of place anywhere you go. And, not, and no one feels out of place with you because you are at home and so are they. So, um, and there's lots of different ways, you know, we can go on and on about it, but um, it's an approach to communication that is so simple and so basic at, you know, ground zero home um, that it allows you to engage with people from around the world. And I've you know, pre-COVID travel around the world a couple of times a year, so many different countries, and uh, I feel at home everywhere. Yeah. This is such a beautiful system. I can relate to so much of it. I, I, I think that the um, one that I was just thinking about was step six, <clears throat> because we often approach anything with one idea, like this is how it has to look. I see this a lot in the dating and relationship world. It's got to look this way. It's got to be this way. It's got to be a fairy tale. It's got to be my type. It's got to be this. And a lot of times you're missing what's in front of you because you're not open to what's right here. <laughs> and it just, it not only, first of all, connects you with people in a much deeper way, but it also makes you enjoy the process so much more because people go in and they're like, oh my God, this is, and I used to be that way. Like when I dated in my twenties, if the guy turned out not to be my next long-term partner, boyfriend, future husband, it was a freaking waste of time. And what were people thinking that they fixed me up with this jerk, you know? 
instead of looking at it as an opportunity to get to know a new person and to learn about myself too. I mean, it's just so much it's possible when you open, when you open to those possibilities. And so just expanding into that, that's, that's my takeaway for that one. <laughs> Absolutely. And that there's no coincidences. So maybe that person you're dating is actually going to introduce you to your next long-term relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's happened yeah. so many times. I, I had a friend who was part of a meetup group for hiking and she met a woman who invited her for Thanksgiving, who sat her next to her future husband. Now, she didn't meet that guy at that meetup group. And so a lot of people go into meetups and they say, oh, I just meet women and I'm looking for a man. So it doesn't work. I'm just not going to do it ever again, you know? And so when you shut yourself off from the possibilities, you're shutting yourself off from the joy of life. I mean, really. Absolutely. I've actually you know, three couples that married that I introduced and it, it not for them to get married, just saying, mm-hmm. hmm, I, I'm going to introduce you to my friend of mine. You guys have a, you know, and, or at a, at a dinner or at a party and they, you know, have got married, you know, and, uh, or engage and other people engaged in work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and these days there's a friend of mine here, an American guy. And, um, yeah, he's actually planning on moving. And uh, I'm like, hmm, before you move, let me introduce you to a couple of (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. I mean, it's it's also tuning in and having your intuitions at work and the energy of a person is at work. And, you know, so I think that's that's a beautiful thing. And Um, in the the Jewish religion, they say, if you've made three matches, you have a place in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. It's I um, you know, when I was in uh, Israel, I thought, oh, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to absolutely, you know, discover something. And what I thought I was going to discover, the Messiah. <laughs> I actually, I did an interview there, this 24-hour thing, uh, in- interview there, and I was like, it was so. It showed up in a very different way than I was expecting. I just got so much clarity on business here, and I never thought that that's what was going to happen. You know, I went to Jerusalem, and I was like, you know, and it was and it was amazing. And I, you know, anyway, you think you're going to go to uh, Jerusalem? You know that there's the church where the Jesus is. You have no idea. You have no idea that you at noon you're going to not only hear the church bells, you're going to hear the uh, Muslims and you're going to also hear uh, the Jewish, the synagogues and the temples. And it's like, they never tell us that, you know, Mm -hmm. how much of the 360 degrees is going on around the world. But because we are only willing to receive it from, you know, one direction, we're not actually aware of it, yeah. Yeah. And I'm really sorry you're so busy because you're so amazing with communication. I'd love you to be a seven steps teacher. I've got a program <laughs> for teachers too. But yeah, I know you're very busy. But we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's get into the woman of value aha moment. Um, tell us, I know you started to talk a little bit before we recorded about some pivotal moments. And so I'm sure you have many. But if you can share one really pivotal moment of your life where you went, ah, this is life-changing. Absolutely. Well, 
I'm in Rome now, and one of the moments that uh, for me um, was pivotal uh, was um, it was a six-month period in my life where my my life completely changed. I had been working um, for almost 10 years in hospitality management, five-star hotels, and I lost my job. Never happened to me before. You know, it was a... Um, I won't say a mistake on their part, I'm really grateful for it, but it did have, you know, um, it was a contribution to me because I did, you know, win a suit, a lawsuit with them. I, had, I was never someone to do a lawsuit. It was something very different for me. I was also immediately, um, they wanted to hire me in different hotels because I had just won, you know, concierge of the year from Wear Magazine. And so they were like, oh, come, come and come and work here in even higher level hotels. <clears throat> and you know, Sandy, it was a moment where I was going to get into the cab and go, you know, for this, what, you know, sort of uh, pro form uh, interview. And I couldn't get in the cab. I couldn't, I couldn't get in the cab for some reason. I, I, my body was shaking, you know? And I called them and I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's showing up, um, but I don't think that I can accept this job at the moment. And, uh, you know, um, thank you so much, but I, I, I just can't go. And it was six years, six months actually um, that transformed my life. I think that was in um, August. Um, and in uh, January, or maybe it was in September, in, in January, one of my dearest friends um, died of AIDS. Yeah. And um, just, you know, it was a time where my husband at the time uh, really demanded I go on vacation with him and I really wanted to stay in New York and be with my friend. And my friend died while I was away. And um, and I went on unemployment, which, you know, middle class, I had never been on unemployment. It was not something I did. And uh, I started traveling, you know, um, with um, a jazz artist and uh, my sister-in-law at the time, um, six-time Grammy nominee, Nina Freelon. She just came out with a new album. Uh, mm. uh, and uh, she said, look, I can't pay you, but I can pay for your travel and I can pay for your, you know, stay in your, your... And I started traveling all around the U.S. and then all around Europe with her because I was speaking French um, and Spanish and understood Italian, so I was her tour manager. And, um, and I... Connect, reconnected with me. You know, I hadn't been in Europe in 10 years. Hadn't, I lived in Paris for a year in my junior year abroad. I had been in Rome quite a bit. And when I got to Rome, all roads lead to Rome. Come to Rome, guys. <laughs> we'll stand at the Colosseum. You will connect. <laughs> and I was, uh, she was waiting for me to, to come down and help her with an interview with the, um, with the language. And I couldn't get out of the tub. I was crying in the tub and I had no idea why. And I realized that there was a transformation happening. 
And I said, I think that I'm not happy in my marriage. And I went home and it was on March 17th, you know, the Irish up at St. Pat's Day. And I'm from Boston, so it was like, we had the day off on, on, the, on March 17th. And I remember sitting on a, you know, <clears throat> on a bench in New York. And I said, I gotta change, gotta change my life. And I moved in, my friend who had passed away, there's no coincidences, he had a brownstone in uh, Gramercy Park that I had been taking care of for him while he was in the hospital, hoping that he would come out. And so I had a place to go, had no job, but I did have a place to go because that was a place I was taking care of. And uh, it really, you know, even if you think you're making the wrong choice, even if, you know, everyone says to you, what are you crazy? You know, you're going to get that high pay a job and you're going to continue in a career which you're having success in and you have a good marriage and what are you doing you know and your body's telling you no and you have to follow your knowing because what is it that is the future that you may not be willing to acknowledge but if you follow your instinct, your intuition, your knowing, your gut feeling, right? Then how much can you create? And so six months later, this guy I had met when I came to Rome when I was studying, <clears throat> called me up. And I was like, oh, I have been married at 22. I was together with my husband, you know, monogamous relationship. Like, you can imagine in six months how many people I had given my number to, right? <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? What is this? <laughs> and then he, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, is this, you know, Marco Corbelli? That's my, my character. He said, yes, it is. And of course, you know, he had somebody, I had someone. So we just did this dance, you know, he came and he's an architect. I took him around New York at Guggenheim and everything. And, um, and we started this solo dance um, for about a year. And uh, finally I moved to Rome and it's just opened up amazing things to me. And my friend, Orlando, who passed away, I was studying French. He was like, oh, why are you so into French? Italian. You have to like Italian. You have to get Italian. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and I love food, Sandy. I love food. I really do. I love eating. I love flavors. I don't want to eat a sandwich while on the run. I just, I, I love food. And, and Italy is like, you know, magic with food. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and I have several businesses. I started producing films. I just, it just really completely uh, changed my life. Yeah. So it was, is that a good example? <laughs> I'll say. Okay. I mean, it, <laughs> it sounds like this cracked you open. Like so many people will relate to your story, even though their story is so different, because so many of us live in a place of, like deadness and where we're not really feeling like we can be us. And I mean, I, I can relate to your story. I was in a marriage that wasn't really gratifying in so many ways. I could not be me. I could on some levels, but I couldn't really be me. And 
<clears throat> when I got divorced and I finally had that pivotal moment for myself, I tapped into my higher power. I couldn't do that when I was married and he couldn't be who he was when we were married. He's happier. I'm happier. And my yeah. kids, the, the funniest part is they don't really remember me from before the divorce. And they were not young. They were like 13, 16 and 19. But it's like, I'm such a different person that I almost disappeared before. And stepping into like, who are you? What are you meant to be in this world? And lots of people are always gonna tell you, you're crazy. I mean, I, I was told so many times, just get a job at Starbucks and stop trying to make a career out of this. It's, it's too hard, you know, just get a steady job where you have health benefits, you know, just exactly. do something safe. But I'm not a safe person. I don't do, I take emotional risks all the time. And I think that's important. And Absolutely. like, you know, yeah. and then tapping into other people who do the same thing, right? We can then have that ripple effect because you leaving opened other doors. And I, I think that often people stay in this little bubble because of the fear of what might be. So many people said to me while I was divorcing, I don't know if you had this experience, but don't leave, you know, I'm not happy either, but we have very separate parallel lives and it works for us. And I'm like, that's great. I'm not you. Did you exactly. notice? <laughs> exactly. Good for you. Yeah. We had, when I came back from my, you know, crying in the bathroom in Rome and uh, we had an hour and a half conversation when listing all the things that were not working in marriage. And we totally agreed. He totally agreed with me. I totally agreed. And I said, okay, so I have to leave. What? what do you mean what uh, I'm, I'm gonna go mm -hmm. what do you mean you're gonna go I mean people don't have exactly what the, you know they said to you people don't have it and I say yeah but okay we can try it you know you know channelers therapists whatever um and you know somebody they said to me the dance is always yours the music may change the partner may change but the dance is yours you know so it's up to you to choose the partner, but the dance is yours. And I said, well, you know what? I'm ready to choose another partner. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? And I had all, I had said, I will never get divorced. Because my parents had both divorced and got together to have me. So I was like, I'm never going to do that. That's not <laughs> what I'm going to do. <laughs> and so you wake up in, in the morning and my mom had said to me, who was amazing, she was amazing. She said to me, I don't think that's a good idea for you to travel and be somebody's tour guide, you know, on a travel. I said, you don't? I think it's great. <laughs> I'm gonna do it, you know? And I remember a conversation I was having with, after that with uh, my mom and my sister and they were like, well, you're very cranky. I'm like, guys, my life has changed, okay? <laughs> it was like right after that, I was like, hello, I've lost my job. My best friend died. I just left my husband. I. It's a moment of change, okay? So yeah. all that, you know, Frank like, is okay. <laughs> it's okay to be a little bit cranky, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Permission to be cranky. Permission granted, you know? And yeah. <laughs> and um, really um, lots of uh, uh, Americans and, and feeling at home, no matter where you go, is uh, when you're willing to trust you, you know, to honor you, not treat you with disrespect and disregard. 
Yeah. Uh, trust you that, you know, maybe you'll trip sometimes. That's trusting you, not saying, oh, I'm never going to trip again. I'm never <laughs> going to trip again. This is what I want. I don't want to. No, sometimes I'm going to trip. Okay. <clears throat> but it's not how many times you trip, it's how many times you're willing to get up and yeah. keep moving. Yeah. Right. And how quickly you get up, too. Because <laughs> it gets a little quicker each time if you're really working on the, uh, it's okay to fall. I'm going to, it's going to be faster this time because I get it. I get what's going on. Absolutely. And, you know, this kind of reminds me of the beginning of our conversation where we were talking about communication styles and how we have to see things through other people's lenses because we see it through our own. So when somebody like your mom and your sister say to you, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, it's because they're not feeling safe. You do it like that's it's making there's something in them that gets act, it gets ignited when you do something that has nothing to do with them it has to do with you yeah and so often people are actually like we were saying before they're actually just telling you and and um, advising you in a way that they were advised you mm -hmm. know like what did and I write about that in my dancing with riches book because my mom you know she, her first marriage she had my sister with her first marriage she was accommodating you know her mother's idea of an ideal partner you know um but it wasn't for her and sooner or later you know she left that and chose someone who was not the ideal idea for my grandmother you know my grandmother was you know the uh, commissioner of insurance for the state of massachusetts like the most you know there was no black woman in the country that was had that kind of you know position she had. So she was a politician, and you know, and my mom was like, hey, you know, wanting to party, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she accepted what other people had said. And how many times? How many times are people, when they are you know, um, advising you, are they giving you the advice that they bought and that didn't you know allow them to explore their lives? And I, I've never been like that. Yeah, I've always followed um, what I know. You know why I went to Paris, Sandy? Yeah, why? <clears throat> when I was eight years old, living in Roxbury, going to the elementary school, the uh, public elementary school, there was a, a woman, a um, third grade teacher that would write on the board every morning, bonjour, aujourd'hui est lundi, hello, good morning. Today is Monday. Every morning she would write for a whole year. Bonjour, aujourd'hui est mardi. You know, good morning. Today is Tuesday. And at the end of that year, I remember looking at that board. I can still see that board. And I said, one day I'm going to go to Paris and I'm going to speak French. Mm. And so, you know, I went to, you know, the oldest public high school in the States. It's called Boston Latin. And I took French. And my dad's like, what are you taking French for? You know, Spanish is going to be the second language in this country. You get to speak Spanish. And I was like, dad, I like French. And I was taking French and I went to college. And I was like, I left Boston. And the thing, funny thing is, I had a scholarship at Boston University, four-year scholarship. But I was like, I can't stay in Boston. 650,000 people in Boston. I'm going to go to New York, 10 million. I need a bigger reality, you know? And New York University had that junior year abroad in Paris. 
<laughs> so my dad said, you can't study French and make that your major. When are you going to get a job when you study French? You got to choose something. I was like, okay, I'll choose journalism, mass broadcasting, you know, mass communication and broadcast journalism. But I'm going to take enough French to cover the prerequisites to do that year in Paris. And had I not done that, you know, and I often ask people that, and what is it? at eight years old that you knew you wanted to do? Mm -hmm. And is it time to activate that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. In Boston or, <laughs> or even maybe a guy in New York, yeah. Right, it's, I think a lot of people feel like they could look at a life like yours and think, oh, she's so flighty, she just keeps, pivoting and changing things she can't stick with anything and then I look at it as if you connect the dots they're all connected <laughs> you know one yeah. thing leads to the next because I've had a hundred careers too and because I follow my intuition and so I was an artist most of my life and in many different forms I was married to a comedian and I wrote comedy and didn't know I could do that I, I love that. <laughs> right, so I did. I did some really interesting, fun things because I just kept going with what's 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 here, <laughs> and I ended up directing when we were shooting a children's television show for, show for Nickelodeon. I realized that the director didn't know how to direct him, and so I would get on the floor with the director and tell him how to put the camera, where to do. And I didn't have a background in this. I was managing the art, you know, and so then just it gave me some tastes of parts of me that I now bring into my career today. Exactly. I was never a writer before. I taught art to high school kids today, today, this year. Uh, I went back to teach because there was something in me that wanted to connect with people in person. And then COVID came, but we did, we did in-person teaching. But I said, I'm going to take this job. I told the principal if I can also be their coach. I said, I'm not just going to take this job and teach art because this is a place where kids open up and it's high school and they have stuff going on. And I want to be their go-to person that they trust. And so bringing that layer and that layer and that layer and, and you know, it's, and it could last a year. Like, I'm not going to go back. It was enough this year. It gave me a lot of wonderful feelings of being able to contribute and they contributed to my life as well. Absolutely. And everything, actually. You know, I remember with, with my high school, it's, uh, you know, exam high school, and my, the headmaster there asked me, I was already, I think, already living in, yeah, in Rome. And, uh, you know, we're alumni there. And he asked me, could you come in and talk to this um, student? Uh, her mom wants her to stay in Boston. And uh, I really get that she needs a bigger uh, reality. Could you come and talk to um, her mom? And I did, and she went to NYU, and now she's an actress and you know living a, a completely different life. He asked me to come in. I remember when I was still um, just moving, and he said, "Could you talk to the graduating students?" And I'm like, "What the heck am I going to tell them? I've been doing so many, so many different careers." You know, when I moved to Italy, I the, the, I met this American guy. He said, "Oh, could you produce my film?" And I was like, produce a film? I've never produced a film. <laughs> yeah, but you've done management stuff. You you know how to do it. I can help you. I'm, I need to, you know, produce a film, you know? 
okay, six years I had a production company, a film production <laughs> company, then went into, you know, distribution and festivals and organizing um, com the commercial aspect of uh, selling um, television uh, products. But, you know, when I went to the school, I said, you know what, had I gone for journalism, which was the path that I was supposed to take, I probably would have never been a, become a, a film producer. You know what I mean? I probably wouldn't have my own company. I mean, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur with my own uh, coaching business and workshops and, and, and uh, writing that, you know, I have a staff. Some of them have been with me for six years, you know? And it's like, if I had not chosen the things that I've chosen, I probably would still be, you know, maybe living in New York, maybe even in Boston, yeah. And maybe not, you know, I'm in my 23rd year of marriage. And wow. yeah, <laughs> isn't that amazing? <laughs> And it feels like it's only, we're like 20, we're, we, we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary, the first of the month, rest of the, wow. uh, yeah, and it's like, wow. That's big. Like 23 years? No, because I mean, maybe we're Aquarians too, because they're always, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, and my first marriage was with somebody 14 years older, but this is a younger guy. He's 15 days younger than I am, so. <laughs> <laughs> a baby. <laughs> I'm an older woman. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little cougar. Um, but I, I'm noticing there's there are some themes and just wanted to kind of call them out. So throughout everything you shared, I'm seeing um, a sense of adventure, a sense of, there's a sense of like freedom that I'm getting, like there's an expansiveness and adventure and and tapping into intuition and, and there's always a creative element there's an element of emotional risk of saying, why not, you know, and, and not feeling boxed in. I, I keep getting this feeling of like expansiveness, not don't box me in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I first moved here, I didn't know um, the reflexive verbs, right? Um, so we say, oh, you can't do that in English, but they say um, that can't, do itself, yeah. ah. you know, non si fa, right? And I was like, okay, I know fare means to do, but what does non si fa mean? So I never got that they were saying, this is not done. Well, people don't do that here. So I did, I told you film festivals, I did it in a, um, in a disco, in the cave in a disco. The mayor of Rome came when he was getting reelected to my festival, you know? Wow. So, how many things have we been told in our lives that are not done? It's never been done and you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And we buy that as the truth and we don't, I mean, how many people said that to Steve Jobs? How many people said that, you know, to the people who have dis made discoveries in this world, you know? Yeah. So really um, following uh, your knowing, and this is what I invite people to, and, it's, and you have said this a couple of times, step in. And that's, that's, you know, this journey called life that I love to accompany um, people on because people really um, sometimes just have a couple of areas of their life that they're willing to step into, you know? 
And what I like to invite people to do uh, on this three steps program, it's a year long program. People can join for three months, six months, but every month it's a different topic. Step into your life and look at this. Look at your body, look at money and finance, look at relationship, look at family, look at social life, different topics. Step in and step up and recognize your talents and abilities that you may not have acknowledged yet and step out and share those with the world, you know? and see the world from a different perspective. So that, would I be able to do that if I hadn't, if I hadn't done that myself, you know? I've been to China, I've been to, you know, Kuwait, I've been to Dubai, I've been to Egypt, I've been to Brazil, I've been to, you know, uh, all over the world more than once. And um, I love it, I love it. And if we feel that we don't belong in a place, then we're told we're not acknowledging that we're home here. Yeah. And so people yeah. don't often think that they would um, that they would choose or do something. And I like to just allow them to see, invite them to see things from a different perspective. Do you know that song by Dee Dee Bridgewater? Permit me to introduce you to yourself. Have you ever no. heard? <clears throat> Permit me to introduce you to yourself. <laughs> I believe you two have never really met. It take a little time to get acquainted. You can settle all your differences, I bet. It's a great song. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Permit me to introduce you to yourself. And that's what, uh, yeah, because once you are connected with you, then the world is your gem and jewel. Yeah. And you're always at home. Yeah. Uh, it's such a beautiful way to look at the world and I, I have spoken to people who say you know I just need the next thing I need to move to this place or I don't feel I don't feel connected here and or that these are my people and let's like oh, how are you trying to connect to these people like what are you doing to make this your home I think back at like my first apartment in Manhattan was so disgusting. It was, it was on 71st and Broadway. And I lived in this like tiny little room and it was like a railroad type of apartment. And our, our stove was, there was something wrong with like the broiler where things would fall out of the back. And <laughs> I once had company and I was making chicken in the broiler and, and it kept falling out the back and I didn't realize it. And like a week later, my whole apartment smelled terrible. But I loved the apartment because it was my freedom. It was my way to connect with Manhattan and to, to have start a new life. And so it didn't matter where I lived. I made it a home. I always made every place my home and never really thought about it because I was so disconnected from myself in many other ways. But but that's something that I always I always love to travel and to and to just really make it personal, make it my home. Mm, yeah, and you know, the when you're present with you, you begin seeing things in a um, from a different uh, perspective. And there are no mistakes. You know, there's no you can't lose. Yeah, you win or you learn something. Absolutely, if you're willing to receive that, then the next time that shows up in your life, you'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. What would I like to choose this time? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> that's going to work for me this time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's yeah. so empowering to know that we're always a choice. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a love the word choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing a book called Choice Points in Dating. And because I realize that so many people will say, I don't have a choice. I was brought up this way. This is the way I was raised. Oh, my parents were crazy. So I'm crazy. Or, you know, I, it's the town I live in. It's, I don't have the right education. I don't have 6,000 degrees. I'm too fat. I'm too old. I'm too, I mean, it's just, I don't have a choice. This is just what happens. Older men, like younger women. I mean, we could just go on and on. And we're always a choice. You can choose how you show up. You can choose how you message somebody, how you, how you are assertive instead of shut down. You know, there's just lots and lots of choices. Every choice we make creates something. Mm -hmm. Creates something in our lives. And sometimes people make these decisions and they, you know, the decisions are um, something that you're not willing to give up as easily as the, as the choices. And so, you know, I said, well, I'm on my second marriage, but who knows, might have a third one, you know, mm -hmm. and always laughs at that. But <laughs> what are you willing uh, to choose it? Is it an obligation? Is it a decision? Or is it choice? And if you're choosing your life, your job, your relationship, every day, yeah, choose it again. And if you're willing to say, no, I think I'll leave it all. Right. I do that with people when they when they invite me and they host me in different places in different countries for workshops. And I, you know, the day before I leave, you say, are you sure we should still do it? Should we just like cancel it all? <gasps> what? <laughs> but when you are willing, like you said, to to choose. Right. And what can show up if you're willing to choose? A no. Mm -hmm. You know, what can show up? what you open up the space for are things that maybe you hadn't even considered at that time, you know? Yeah. So um, really uh, choice is uh, a great creation. And, you know, it's not just about you. It's about what you can offer, right? By being present and the greatest gift that you can be to people is to receive what they offer. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to receive. So many people struggle with that. Yeah. Especially coaches. They're so busy. Oh, we're, you know, <laughs> so busy helping other people. Are you willing to uh, receive and acknowledge? Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just a pen or yeah. a smile, you know, and you receiving it will be the greatest gift you can be to them. Yeah. Very true. It's such yeah. a gift to receive. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. <laughs> Since, I don't know, we probably have talked about it at some point, but um, yeah, talk about Dancing with Riches. Tell us what, what's... Oh, do you like it? It's beautiful. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Dancing with Riches, it's, a, um, it's about being in step with the energy of change. It's a how-to book, basically. And... Uh, you know, this publisher in, in uh, France had asked me, can you write, they had published a lot of books about, you know, self-help, empowerment and stuff like that. And they said, can you write a how-to book? Like how to use it? And I said, well, I've been, you know, working with uh, questions, the tools of access consciousness for almost 20 years uh, now. And um, so I can definitely, you know, this book that I'm writing, I can definitely show you um, how to utilize questions to give you more 
awareness and empower you to know what you know. Because a lot of people are looking for answers, right? But if you get an answer from somebody and it's not in line with who you are, it'll take you a while to realize that. And then you have to go back and start again, you know? So what um, these uh, tools of access consciousness are about is um, the, the tagline on it is empowering people to know that they know, you know? So, and, and I really love that. So I, I share in the book some of my many experiences, as you see, on different topics, on relating to yourself um, from uh, in various areas of my life and how if people are interested in relating to themselves and recognizing the riches of themselves, they can um, use questions that I give a series of questions that they can use from different angles and, um, and the body. A lot of people, you know, I had the most sexy body ever. I mean, my body's still sexy, right? <laughs> but <laughs> the value, right, of a woman's body is just delightful. It's just delightful. And so, um, you know, how you can really appreciate your body, you know, and uh, using the tools and uh, relationships with others. I've, I've had lots of relationships and, and, um, I'm really good coaching people with if they're interested in having a relationship. Yeah. And so um, really how to use the tools to see what is the relationship that's going to create more for you, you know, and uh, also with money. Ah! Some really <laughs> good examples with money. You know, I'm, uh, I'm um, very, um, very happy with um, my various ways of generating um, income and helping other people generate income. So some tools on how you can change your point of view, because if something is not showing up in your life the way you'd like it, you're probably functioning from a point of view, a judgment, right? A decision, a perspective that is not the one that will contribute to you. So how do you change that point of view? How do you look at it from a different perspective? That's what I um, share with people and how you can increase the abundance in your life, the riches in your life, right? Uh, the exuberance in your life um, by using um, these questions and accessing your knowing. So, and uh, also with business and what a lot of people wanna change careers or maybe they're thinking about it. Doesn't mean you have to want to change relationships doesn't mean you have to um but you got to choose not to mm -hmm. you know and this thing about choice sandy that you were saying a lot of times people don't choose and that's a choice yeah choose not to choose and that allows us a real to have a really good reason to um be pessimistic and to not you know what i mean and to um, be cranky and to um, be judgmental and to be, you know, in those relationships when sometimes people, um, they're talking about one another behind their backs, they're complaining, you know? Um, I always thought, I, ne I never wanna do that. You know, I never wanna be there talking, oh, I can't stand him and he, I just, it doesn't work for me or she doesn't work for me. Oh. Right. Um, so, yeah, choose, choose what works for you, because that actually deteriorates you inside. 
that turn that's like um, you know um, the the chicken that fell behind your stove. <laughs> <laughs> rotting from the inside that's exactly, it. That's, the, that's exactly what it does yeah so yeah yeah so being so how do you step um into your life step up and recognize the choices that work for you and step out and choose them and choose them and choose them and choose again and choose again and choose again so the, the last chapter you know the chapter about self and body relationships, money and business. And the last chapter, which is just a few words is, do you wanna live life with one purpose? Or do you simply wanna live life purposefully? Yeah. And so it's a different, it's a different mm. approach. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah, one purpose doesn't allow for much leeway and for other magical things showing up. Exactly. And the universe is coming, God, Allah, Buddha, <laughs> all bringing stuff. And they're like, what do we have to do? Right. <laughs> you're, you're not looking up. You're too busy looking down because you're just looking at this one road that you've prepared. Mm -hmm. So are you willing actually to look up, step up and step out and see the world that is waiting for you? Wow. Yeah. And recognize what you, why are you here? You know, and yeah. how can you enjoy being here fully. You yeah, because we can all go work at Starbucks like you, they <laughs> you at the end. You know, <laughs> so, but take a take a risk, and it may not be about what you um, will lose. In Italian, there's that it is an expression that is the when you're um, when you leave your uh, path, uh, you know what the path you're leaving but you don't know the path you'll find, you know? Yeah. And what that is actually exciting. Yeah, and that's so scary for a lot of people because they don't know and they can't control it. Yeah, control, I know that. I'm, I'm the queen, of, <laughs> I was the queen of control. I gave up that crown and I got the, <laughs> the queen of beyond definition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I we're, to we're, so we're, many people. Too. We're women too. So what are the val, val how can we really uh, utilize that? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm a woman. I just changed my mind. Sorry. Ah! <laughs> how can we use it to our advantage? You know? <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Fingers crossed. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> Is that sorry that about me? Sorry. It doesn't work for you. <laughs> sorry. You have a problem with me. Exactly. You don't <laughs> You don't have to repeat those last words, you know, but, but you can make them, sorry, doesn't work for you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Just catch you never. Okay, so let's, let's get to the lightning round. This conversation definitely could go on for hours and hours, um, but we do, have, we do have a limit on this podcast and you're in, getting late over there. So let's, let's go to the lightning round. Are you ready? Mm. <laughs> it's the lightning round. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> okay, fill in the blank. I used uh, to think I wasn't blank enough. I used to think I wasn't um, focused enough. Hmm. What was the number one thing holding you back from becoming a woman of value? Uh, wanting to support the structure of my life. Hmm. 
What do you mean by that? Um, married, two and a half, 2.5 kids, um, living in the States and going on vacation with the friends and going to Martha's Vineyard and being there and following that. Yeah. And the value in paving a new path. Mm. Yeah. What is the best advice you can give to a woman who wants to become more empowered? Connect with you. Look in the mirror in the morning, in your eyes, and repeat until you feel some movement in your body. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Until you feel some movement inside, believe me, it will occur. Interesting. What advice would you give to your younger self? It's going to be okay. Do not give in. Do not give up. Do not ever quit. That's certainly how you're living your life right now. Yeah. Uh, what is something that people get wrong about you? What do they get wrong about me? That I'm not accessible. Mm -hmm. That they can't access me directly. That they, you know. I have to call my secretary or something like that. That's just never, I, I just can't even imagine that. <laughs> I remember I was at a class in Paris and people were like, well, I know you're too busy and you're really busy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're talking to me now. Mm. You know? So yeah, yeah. So approachable or accessible. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah, all right. Well, final question, Cass, how would you like to be remembered? I love that question. As um, a beacon of light that shines and illuminates the light in other people. I mean, that's that says it all. <laughs> 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 well, you certainly have lit up my life for this time that we've spent together. I'm totally energized. I really love the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, tell, tell our audience, Cass, how people can find you. Well, I'm going to be at Sandy's place from now on. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of us. Um, <laughs> but when I'm not at Sandy's place, you can find me at <laughs> <laughs> online. You can find me at uh, the number three steps dot us, right? At US. Um, and my dancing with riches dot US. Uh, yeah, you can find me there. And of course, castthomas.com. You know, that's easy. <laughs> but so I love dancing with riches dot us and the three steps dot us or the seven steps dot us. I love all those. Us, <laughs> all us, the us's. Us. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. They're all accessible through cassthomas.com too. Yeah. And I'm the art of being cast on Facebook and, 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 and Instagram and yeah, YouTube and stuff. The and art of being cast? The art of being cast. Okay. That sounds yeah. like... Um... John Malkovich, <laughs> being John Malkovich, being Cass. Right. The, nine, nine, the nine and a half floor, right? I, I love that. Husband, the people say that he looks like a, com a combination of John Malkovich and Tom Hanks across. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. isn't it funny? 
So it's interesting that you say that you're so telepathic, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and that would start, I know that would start a hundred conversations. <laughs> what is that behind you? Oh, my book. Is it? This is my book. Oh, Becoming a Woman of Value. That is so gorgeous. Thank you. How to yes. Thrive in Life and Love. Awesome. It sounds like it's structured very similarly to your book because it's short. It's filled with exercises. Each chapter is short and gives you one tip. And I share stories and some of my podcast interviews are in there and client stories. And um, so I love the exercises. Like you just don't tell somebody change this, but how? Like, oh, absolutely not. If this is what's up for you, then here's some things you can ask. And this is how you um, get the response from the question you've asked. I mean, it's really like a, a pragmatic way of mm -hmm. creating the shift and, and the change in, in your life. I love it. And I'm, um, I'm going to, you know, people who are getting the Dancing with Riches book, I hope people do get it. And I'm uh, inviting them if they're doing a, a review of it on Amazon to this series called Access Your Highness, Recognizing the Queen in You. Ooh. So you definitely, Miss Queen, will be invited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'll get you a book. Here's Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to put links to everything in the show notes and uh, go out, get the book, rate and review it, and uh, get into the sphere of the art of being Cass. It's a good place to be. So thank you again, Cass. This has just been a like a pleasure and a treasure. <laughs> for me as well and a gem that's you thank you sandy so much thank you if you would like to step more fully into your value grab a free copy of the ultimate guide to becoming a woman of value on my website thewomanofvalue.com just click the link at the top of the homepage. and if you haven't already done so be sure to click the subscribe button in your listening app and if there's something in this episode that inspired you please share it with others because the more we share these inspirational stories, the more women of value we will have in this world. I'll see you next time.